you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of about every Cleveland sports blog. Now all of Locked On. Uh, we have, okay, so the thing we're never supposed to say, uh, I'm going to pull back the curtain and say, well, there's not a lot to talk about. That's what they hate hearing. That's you know people turn off. And we I, we don't. We have a ton to talk about. Uh, but I did reach out to the fans. So this is kind of a bit of a self-directed thing. What can we talk about? What should we focus on? Primarily, because the Indians didn't play on Monday. The Twins are coming up, who I just previewed last week. I, I don't really feel like there's any point in going back and doing a position-by-position review. So we're going to do some fun and interesting and different things. Uh, there was a Jim Bowden trade piece today. And I've talked about many times Jim Bowden's kind of like the one guy I've ever kind of gone after on Twitter. Uh, between what happened with the Nationals, I mean, specifically, my big issue was the Nationals and the Jose Rio and... Uh, that he turned evidence to kind of, uh, not Rio, that Bowden did, to kind of, you know, hide what he did. But he was essentially fired as part of this deal where there was skimming of bonus money from Latin American players. And, you know, I don't really know how much he was involved, but there was enough there that that felt pretty grimy. And then there's the infamous point where he was, you know, stealing tweets and information and he got uh, someone found, you know, he basically uh, took information from a false account and tried to pass it as his own and then made his... I mean, you can go find that. That was just a crazy situation. Point of the matter is, there's a lot of reasons to not love him. Uh, and honestly, I just don't think he's very good. Uh, if you, if even if he was a sterling person, uh, he has a real big tendency. And it's probably smart, let's be honest. But he writes trades from the perspective of the bigger market always winning. So if you go and you look at some of the deals that he, he goes for, he'll say, oh, this small market team needs so-and-so who's been, you know, I always bring up the Indians with Brian LaHare, and essentially, I can't even remember the trade was now, but it's like trading the Indians' number one prospect for him. Uh, that one year that that guy was, I don't even, I think he was an all-star for the Cubs. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that that's kind of, and, and, you know, it puts, that's exactly what I think of with him. But now I say all of this negativity. I know people love it when I get negative. Because he had a piece today, and it caught a lot of people talking. And it led off with the number one player who should be discussed this offseason is uh, Jose Ramirez. Now, in fairness, if you go through that piece, most of the names are players who, like Jose Ramirez, are going to be free agents in two years. There is Kettle Marte, who's in three years, who I think was third on the list, and um, Joey Gallo, who's in one year. But the piece got me thinking. Now, the Indians could chop Jose uh, Ramirez. I, I don't think... Uh, anyone out there is 100% believes this team won't. Uh, though his logic, though, Bowden's was, well, they got to do it now, or they're going to get a poor return like the Lindor return. There is some moving parts. One, the Lindor return happened after the COVID season and Lindor's huge contract. Um, the amount of owed money limited his uh, return. He was also coming off a bit of a down year. Uh, Jose Ramirez is once again an MVP candidate. Yes, he's older. That is something. Yes, it's not his premium of position. But he's a premium defender. Uh, teams are always looking for third basemen. Think about how many teams were hot for a third baseman last offseason. There'll be just as many this offseason. And he's a top five bat in baseball. It's never going to be a poor return on a player like Jose Ramirez. He's just too good. Guys like him don't come available all that often, even for one, especially not for two years. And again, I'll just say that 
the whole indoor situation. One, money. Two, money because of COVID. Uh, it had a lot of extenuating circumstances. And when you look at that deal, uh, it's hard to say it's a poor return still. I mean, they got a... Rosario has performed well this year. He's been an above-average uh, league-average player. Jimenez has been a disappointment. We'll give him time. Uh, and then I wasn't as high on the prospects. Like, that's a deal I was not high on, but I think it's a little bit early to, to kind of use that as a negative for why the Indians need to move on. So why am I spending all of this time on a bad trade piece? Well, he had Joey Gallo in there, and it got me thinking. The Yankees are a really interesting team, and what happens if the Indians do have new money? They do have new management this year, or a new uh, minority owner. There's going to be a commitment to the team. What happens if instead of trading Jose, they go the other way? And they don't have to go crazy by going the other way either. What happens if they they are smart? You know, you listened to me, and I discussed, uh, what was it, on Friday's show, uh, kind of how I thought the positions uh, of need break down, or maybe it was actually yesterday's show. It's all kind of bleeding together for me. Uh, but when you look at positions of need and you go back to that piece, it just made me wonder, could they this offseason consider going and doing something they've never done? Would they consider uh, someone like Joey Gallo as a rental? Now you're like, why would the Yankees trade him? And after the huge return, well, Brett Gardner has been quite good. Uh, they have, I believe it was a one-year contract, but I'm, I assume they will bring him back. Aaron Judge has been Aaron Judge all year. Yes, he misses time, but he still has multiple years of control. Giancarlo Stanton is the DH, essentially, and he's got that contract that is unmovable. He does play a little bit in left field. Uh, so when you look at this team, you know, Gallo is the current everyday left-slash-right fielder, but he hasn't played super well. Uh, you know, we should also take a moment and point out that uh, there was a, more news that Clint Frazier isn't coming back this year. Uh, just old friend alert in the middle of this. But, yeah, you look at the Yankees as a team. If everyone's healthy, you know, Aaron Hicks had wrist surgery. If he's back and in center field, you move Brett Gardner back to left, what do you do? Or does Gallo become, or does Gardner become a fourth, uh, out, uh, fourth outfield type? Uh, does Gallo move to first base, which seems a waste of his defensive skills because Anthony Rizzo is likely going to walk as a free agent at the end of the year? Then what do you do with Luke Voigt? There's a lot of interesting moving pieces. Uh, the Yankees, as a team, you know, they, they move Glybar to second base. Uh, Giovanni Glybar has played some short. He's uh, played some second. They don't. He's not very good at short. They don't really have a long-term option there. Now, they could very easily be active in free agency. They could also look at Anthony Volpe, who is rising up those prospect ranks very quickly uh, as a the shortstop of the future. And, they, you know, he's a player who's in high A. They might think that he could be in the big leagues by, wow, the Fangraphs piece says 2024 as I look at the roster resource here. I mean, I would think 2022 to 2023 with the way prospects move anymore. Uh, so all this comes together to say maybe there's a trade. Maybe it wouldn't be interesting if the, uh, the Yankees decided to move on from Gallo. He's a rental. Uh, if they, again, not necessarily because they, they're going to chase a shortstop in free agency. Maybe they're going to chase something else uh, to help their team out. But, you know, Luke Voigt, I have his numbers right here, quote-unquote down year. The Yankees went out and got a replacement for him. His age 30 year, 61 games, 216 plate appearances, uh, 254 average, 333 on base, 444 slugging, 
114 runs created plus, a negative 3.2 on defense. So not a great defender, but that's his worst year of the since he's come to the Yankees. It is his age 30 year. There is some decline, but a 114 runs created plus at first base. Uh, his runs created plus and his defense are better than Bobby Bradley's by the advanced stats. Just to throw that out there. It is a little bit limited this year, but the thing with Luke Voigt is I was kind of curious. I went and I looked at the MLB trade value site, which gives Gallo a medium median score of 24.7. I don't feel like that's been updated with only a year left on his contract and, and currently has a negative war since the Yankees have acquired him, but it gave Voigt a score of zero. Now, I don't know if that's quite true either, but when you look at a guy who is making 4.7 this year, might get a slight raise, but this isn't someone who's you know leading baseball in home runs. Uh, this is a guy who is now on the wrong side of 30, who had some injury issues, and is coming off a career-worst year. A career-worst year where the runs created plus is still a 114. I, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. If the Indians have some money to spend, the Yankees can use a stopgap infielder. You know, avoid and Gallo for someone like Rosario. There's a logic to it. There's a logic to Jimenez, you know, figuring out something like that. I mean, there'd probably be more moving pieces, some other things that would be needed, but it's just an idea. This this is, if you're wondering about, oh, so, you know, is this the fan part of the show? No, this is just me. This is the me part of the show. Uh, they could also use help in that bullpen. I mean, outside of Chapman and Green, there isn't much. Now, the problem is the Indians can also use help in their bullpen. Uh, but would the Indians consider someone like Karen Chalk a sweetener? Would the Yankees, where they have Matt Blake, the pitching coach, who worked with Karen Chalk when he was coming up to the Indians minors, knows him well, and would probably feel comfortable trying to fix and work with him? Uh, is there a world where, you know, a Karen Chalk and Rosario nets you Voigt and Gallo? I, I don't know. I'm really bad at trades. I've always been honest about that. But, you know, is that too much? Is it too little? Uh, let's say you're like, no, we need Rosario. We can put him in the outfield. Then you have your corner outfielders with, you know, Rosario, Zimmer, Platoon, uh, Voigt, and Straw. And that's a really interesting outfield. Could you do an Owen Miller type of deal? Because the upside to Owen Miller is uh, multiple years of control. He can play some short, but he could also play other positions. You know, I, I talked about on the show last week, you know, Sarah said that thing about players who are swinging out of the zone, you know, made the biggest improvements over the course of the year. Talked about number one was Franville, but number six on that list was Owen Miller. Uh, he's a guy a lot of teams like. He does a lot of little things. One of those players that makes your team better. Uh, the Indians have so many infield types. He's a little bit lost in the shuffle. And, and you know, if it's Owen Miller and Karen Chalk, and then uh, I don't know, figure out a lottery pick, or maybe figure out if it's you know if they decide that they like a Mercado, maybe you can convince Mercado as a third piece because it gives them a depth player who could handle all four outfield spots in case Aaron Hicks does not come back in at full health. Just some ideas. The Yankees have so much depth. You know, I talked about Robbie Grossman and why there could be some logic to looking at a trade. Uh, the Yankees, it, when you have the ability, that's what money gives you, right? Money gives you the ability to make mistakes. Money gives you more leeway. You know, when the Yankees went out and did Swisher and Bourne and those were terrible contracts, they had to trade them for Chris Johnson uh, to, you know, to find a way to make it work, uh, to find a way to, well, that was specifically Swisher, right? Uh, or was it both? I can't remember now. But either way, you know, it's like they were handicapped. They couldn't just sit on a bad contract. They don't have that ability to just do that. The Yankees, you know, Luke Voigt's having a good year, but he's had some injury issues. He hasn't been quite as good when trade for Rizzo. 
we're going to go out and trade multiple pieces, but still keep our high-end guys and get Gallo. Uh, the Indian, because, you know, and then, like I said, I talked about Glybar Torres has not worked out for them at shortstop. He's a second baseman. Uh, he's There's a lot of similarities with Rosario in some regards, though Torres, I mean, he hasn't approached that 2019 season. It's been a disappointing run for him since then. Uh, if you're the Yankees, it's like, wow, our prospect did not turn in what we wanted. He's probably still going to be a good second baseman. Uh, there's so many shortstops. We're just going to go and buy a Seager, uh, Simeon, or uh, Trevor Story this offseason. Like, they can go and do that. The Indians, you can't, I mean, they're going to go buy their way out of mistakes with Eddie Rosario. Go buy their way into talent that, that it's just a different world. So the Yankees always become a natural trade partner because they accumulate so many more guys. They have so many more pieces on the periphery because they can go out and do that. You know, they can move Luke Voigt to a role where he's a bench bat. They can uh, recover from Aaron Hicks missing the year by going out and trading for uh, one of the elite uh, hitters in baseball. I know Gallo strikes out a ton. I know he's got a terrible batting average, but the guy makes contact. He's a gold glove defender. Doesn't necessarily When he makes contact, it's hard contact. You can go look at his. It is all either dark red or dark blue. His uh, baseball savant page is kind of glorious to look at in that regard. But they can just add that salary. It's not a problem. Now, I know they aren't quite how they were in the old days. I know there are some restrictions. But it is the advantage when you're a big market. You can fill a hole a lot easier than the small market team. When the Indians go and they look at the trade deadline, money is always a part of it. Uh, When they traded Lindor, they had to get rid of that contract. And they included Carrasco mostly to get out from that contract. I don't feel like Carrasco, there was a whole lot of uh, positive return. I talked about that as well. So it's just things to consider. Uh, I'm always going to be looking for trades. And, you know, the Yankees are a team that logically, you know, they, like I said, more infield help. Uh, Tyler Wade is kind of their big guy right now. Volpe is probably a year and a half to two years away. Stopgap, a young one. Indians got those. Yankees have outfielders and bats. I just think it's a natural combination. Let's take a quick commercial break and come back and take more uh, thoughts and ideas from you, the listener. And that sponsor today is betonline.ag. Let's go over to betonline and see what the line is for tomorrow's Twins game. Now, I should probably do my quick preview uh, just in terms of the Twins-Indians matchup. Uh, With the way things set up, I believe the Indians currently had a better lineup across the board. Uh, Pitching matchups for this series against the Twins... I know we get to see Joe Ryan again. He of the nearly no-hitter. And I believe Drew Strawman was and is no longer uh, Strotman, who was the other part of that Nelson Cruz deal. Uh, McKenzie versus Ryan should be advantage Indians. Logan Allen, Charlie Barnes, Push, Kyle Quantrell, Griffin Jacks, advantage Indians. Let's see if this is in Minnesota. So I'm betting that a line on tomorrow's game would be uh, not was going to go against the Indians. I'm betting that uh, they will be the team getting the run and a half over at betonline.ag. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get your 50% bonus on your first deposit. That is LOCKEDON15 to get your 50% bonus. Uh, So game one tomorrow of this matchup as it's being listed online, because that's right, it's uh, the seven-inning affair, it's Tristan McKenzie versus Joe Ryan, and then we have Logan Allen versus Charlie Barnes in game two. So when you go through that, the seven-inning affair is... McKenzie is getting a run and a half in that one. That that should come as no surprise. Seeing if they have game two up, it does not look like they 
they're putting game two up in this one. So we don't have that opportunity there. In terms of Wednesday's matchup, they do have some games listed, not the Indians games as of yet. I feel like that one. I, I think McKenzie getting run in a half. Yeah, Ryan pitched well, but it's only a seven-inning game. McKenzie has been riding quite the hot streak. Over-under is six and a half runs in this one. I would bet the under, which is currently a plus 110. I actually like the under in this one more than I like the head-to-head matchup. It's a seven-inning affair. Six and a half, both teams, the way McKenzie's pitched, the way Joe Ryan pitched against the Indians. Uh, you know, if this is your thing, I think this is definitely a game because you're getting plus 110, which is, I mean, okay, this is where I show my lack of knowledge. But if you know this things, go to betonline.ag, use that promo code locked on, and get your bonus. You know, sometimes commercial reads go long, and that's because I'm giving you information in there. Talking a little too much about the doubleheader. Uh, if you want a little bit more, you can go dig it out. It, you know, I understand. I listen to podcasts as well. But let's move on. So the first question I have, just going through, I believe it was from Quincy Wheeler. I want to make sure that I, I have this correctly, though, when I'm going through. Yep, at Quincy Wheeler 1. I would love to hear your rank of the current Indians outfield options in the majors and in Columbus as to who you most want in the 2022 roster outside of Straw, because Straw, we all know, is the easy one. He's there. It's together. Did I really close? I Sometimes I close windows that I plan to use, uh, even though I need them open. Actually, I think I opened the bet online over top of the page that I had open that I was planning to use because why would I want to keep something open that I'm using? Oh my goodness gracious. So one of those days, people, one of those days. So let's just talk about the Indians roster itself. Uh, Mercado and Ramirez, I'm personally, I'm all for letting them go. Daniel Johnson, I'd still like to keep around. Uh, so if I'm just doing a purely roster one, ignoring uh, guys in AAA and ignoring Miles Straw, uh, it goes Naylor, then Zimmer. Uh, by the way, uh, because, I mean, Zimmer's starting to really fall off. But again, I think fourth outfield, he's great for that role. Then I'd probably say Oscar Mercado, and then Harold Ramirez is fourth in that grouping. Uh, if I move in Daniel Johnson... I'd probably go Johnson at three, Mercado four, and then five, Harold Ramirez. Just when you're a left field only with bad base running and bad defense, uh, it just doesn't do much. Now let's talk about the AAA affiliate, Columbus, and who we've seen in there this year. So if we count Nolan Jones, who has paid 25 games in right field, nothing in left, left, uh, nothing in center, as I recall. Uh, so you've got him, you've got Alex Call, Trenton Brooks, Will Benson, uh, uh, Richie Palacios, Connor Marable, uh, I know Steve Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, right? Eight guys. Okay, so Trenton Brooks is more of a first baseman. I'm just going to kind of move him off the list. Will Benson has really struggled on his promotion. It's only 69 plate appearances, but it's been noticeable. Move him off. Alex Call is a guy where he's a nice depth player for them, but I, I don't really look at him as a major league option. So now we're down to Jones, Gonzalez, Quan. I mean, those are kind of the three biggies for me. How did I go from eight to like three? Oh, Palacios, because he's been hurt, so we don't have as much. So those are kind of the four that stand out for me is Jones, Palacios, 
Kwan, and man, I'm Oscar Gonzalez. I'm just, it's been a day. I'll say it again. It's been a day. Of that grouping, I don't think Oscar Gonzalez gets added to the 40-man. So he's, I would put him ahead of, like, for interest, he's ahead of, like, Mercado. He's ahead of Ramirez. Kind of, Daniel Johnson has better physical tools. The problem, I mean, Gonzalez hits a lot of home runs. He has great contact. But defensively, he's still, I don't, I don't know. Uh, if he gets taken, it's going to stink in the Rule 5. But you kind of leave him there just because he's a weird mix of skills. It's going to take the right team to really like him. And Nolan Jones is one for me in this group just because played the whole year in AAA. What else does he have left to prove? Uh, the power, playing a few different positions. You know, He's the one that I'm most intrigued to see. The, the power's always been there. Uh, it wasn't the best season. It wasn't the worst season, but he, he doesn't have really anything else to prove. Yeah, it'd be nice if he struck out less. It'd be nice if he uh, hit for a little bit higher average, but I don't know if that's ever really going to be his game. Steve Kwan is the two in that group. Yeah, he just keeps hitting. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, he's another player. I don't know if he gets exposed in the Rule 5 or not. The fact he's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, he's having a huge breakout this year. Just I, Everything we say about like Ty Freeman in terms of production, it's like you could apply to Steve Kwan, but he walks more. Uh, interesting player, plays all three spots. I, I feel like he gets added. I feel like they're going to find a way just because it's he's been too productive you know a team like if you don't add steve kwan the athletics are going to take him from you like they took kaya tom they'll take steve kwan uh then uh next in that grouping after uh in you know the palacios who's just second baseman shortstop uh he only got 90 plate appearances had some injury issues but still keeps hitting you have to roster him as well Uh, i just think he needs more reps I mean, just honestly, he got hurt again, which, you know, is is slightly an issue. Uh, He's missed so much time due to injury and then the COVID season. Uh, If I'm ranking them all together, let's see if I can keep this straight in my mind. Uh, I mean, Nolan Jones won Quan to Palacios 3 because I I still feel like there's some upside with all those. Zimmer 4 because I feel like he is a solid fourth outfielder. 5, I'm going to forget someone. 5, Daniel Johnson. Six, we come down and say Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, seven, Mercado. Well, I already messed up because Naylor should have gone in front of Zimmer. So then Mercado and then Ramirez. So that's, I, I hope I did it. Sorry, Quincy, if I just totally trying to do these names together in my head, uh, butchered it. But that's that was Quincy's question. Let's see if uh, D.B. Sice, Andy, uh, Dubois, uh, gives me give us your lineup and rotation for that July 1st of next year and then at Seattle BB Cleveland Guardians fan how about looking at prospects I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts in depth around double-a AA and triple-a pitching prospects uh, we'll try to get to both of those questions when we return after a quick commercial break stick with us does it sound familiar you got one device that lets you catch the game live and other lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff I want to tell you about a simple way to get your entertainment together you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. 
You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. This episode is brought to you by Rock, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of make and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto pod auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts in their computer choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why spend 30, 50, and even 100% more for the same same part from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com so I mentioned the questions before the break. Uh, give us your lineup and rotation for that July 1st of next year. Rotation's easy. Why don't we start there? Uh, Bieber, Savali, Plesak, Karen Schott. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Mackenzie, Quantrell with a slight, you know, that's it. I, I think they're going to keep that together. They're not going to trade it. No one's close enough to free agency for them to do a trade. They know how hard pitching is, even with as well as they develop it. They know how hard it is to get that lineup. Uh, gut feeling on lineup. I'm going to say Ahmed Rosario in left field. I'm going to say they're going to send him out there and work on that. They were going to try center. It just didn't come together. You start the year with him and left. Jimenez is going to be your shortstop. Uh, your center fielder is straw. Your right fielder is going to be Josh Naylor after a big return. He'll make a big deal. He comes back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Uh, first base will stay Bobby Bradley. DH will stay Fran Mill. Uh, you'll have, we said Jimenez at short, Jose Ramirez at third base. Uh, your catcher is going to be Austin Hedges. Uh, and your second baseman, this is where it gets, I think that's where we might see a, a free agent signing. I, I could see them, much like they did last year with Cesar Hernandez, seeing how that market plays out. There's always a glut of them. You know, Colton Wong just beat up the Indians. He was a late signee to the Brewers. Uh, there's just a lot of depth at second base. They might kind of hold out and see uh, if they decide to go internally. Uh, Owen Miller, you know, give him an extended look there is very much their model and approach. I know what you're thinking. No Jones, no Arias. Nope, none of them. Uh, what about the big name signings? I, I, I can't project them, and I'll believe it when I see it. What about potential trades? I know I'm being born here, but it, it's really hard for me to put together any idea. They they don't do a lot. Let's be honest. They don't go out and sign free agents. They make a trade or two, uh, but it's not often how you think it's going to go. And it's they evaluate things differently, and they're often right. So uh, I'll end up being wrong. They'll end up being right. Let's just <laughs> I, I occasionally beat them in the draft, but that's that's about it. Uh, so interest in hearing more in your thoughts in depth around double a AA and triple a pitching prospects okay so let's talk about pitching prospects in the minors this year uh cody i'm gonna say cody allen cody morris everyone knows i mean cody morris and brian levestida are, are 
guys I've been on for years. What more do I have to say? Uh, Morris, six starts in AAA. Six starts, 24 innings, uh, 1.1 ERA, 11.8 walks per nine, 2.2, I'm sorry, 11.8 strikeouts per nine, 2.2 walks per nine, and he, is, he hasn't given up a home run, a whip of .986. Uh, that is just phenomenal. Uh, Scott Moss, not so much. We'll kind of go past that. Kyle Nelson, another guy, not so much. When we're, talking, you know, I, I look at the guys we expected. Anthony Ghost, uh, I don't know if he's going to get the call up. I think he might be in another organization next year. If I'm being honest, I think he could leave as a, a free agent if he wanted to. He's had enough uh, service time in the minors. Uh, the other player I wanted to pull up. Why can I not find? Oh, Robert Broom, just to see if he were he didn't. Still kind of rough numbers through the course of the year. So it's, it's you know, Morris, they have to add to the 40-man, and the performance sticks out. Amongst those guys down here who have not seen time in the big leagues, he's really the guy. If we were to jump down to A Akron. Now, if everyone had been healthy in A Akron, like Adam Scott would have ended this year in AAA. He is... Uh, you know he's an interesting lefty. He is not going to get added to uh, the uh, forty man. It, it just they don't have a spot for him. He was more than a senior sign. Yes, he's a senior sign, but he was a preferred one, someone they gave a decent amount of money to for that position. And you go down right now and you talk about team pitching. Uh, Juan Hillman with one hundred and seven point one innings has been the guy. I mean, not a lot of guys are approaching that. The only other guys over fifty are Tanner Tom, Tanner Tully and Thomas Ponticello. Ponticelli, I should say. Logan Allen is fourth in innings pitch down there. And this is where it gets interesting for Allen. Walk per nine, 2.2, just like Morris. 11.0 strikeouts per nine. 8.8 walk per nine. Pitching in Akron, which is a pitcher-friendly park, not a home-run-friendly park. 1.1 home runs per nine. Now, I keep saying it's not a home-run-friendly park, but you go down the list, and a lot of guys like Nick Miklojak, who's probably the top reliever relief prospect and system 13 strikeouts per nine 1.6 walks per nine 1.4 is his home run rate per nine uh connor pilkington who i think they will add how has he been since the indians got him for cesar hernandez seven games six starts 33 innings 10.47 strikeouts per nine 4.3 walks per nine peyton battenfield who they got uh, for jordan luplo he doesn't need to be out of the 40, man, but uh, six starts, 32 innings, 9.3 strikeouts per nine. So he's not missing as many bats as he missed at the start, but still, that's respectable. Walk per nine, 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, Adam Scott, if you're curious, 3.3 walk, 11 strikeouts per nine. That is in 11 starts, 49 innings. He's now one behind Logan Allen. Uh, it's This is definitely the team, pitching-wise, to check out. Joey Cantillo has had one start, four appearances. He's up to six innings. Strikeout per nine, 15. Walk per nine, 13.5. So, again, he was dealing with some injuries, and he is just kind of coming back and getting his his sea legs, as it were. Uh, If we talk about Cody Morris down there, five starts, 20 innings, 13.1. Strikeout per nine, 3.2 walk per nine, 0.5 home run per nine. So, again, uh, similar amount of innings, but he gave up his home runs in double-A. Triple-A, an absolute bandbox. He hasn't given up uh, any this year. Uh, baseball can be weird sometimes. The short and long of it, let's just mess that up and say it the weird way because I, I kind of I went long. Uh, they have a lot of interesting pitching prospects. Now, none of them are dynamite. None of them are can't miss. Uh, I mentioned all of those names. Cody Morris, 
would likely slot into my top 10 Indians prospects, Edward Logan Allen. Like, I feel like the top five is pretty sad. I was sitting there looking at that today, and it's, you know, I have to figure out the order of it, but just Arias, Jones, Valera, uh, Rocoyo, and Freeman. Then I know, like, Espino's in there. He's interesting just from, he gets, his bat pips are high, and he has a high home run rate. Walk rate is, is solid. Uh, strikeout rate's fantastic. But he's getting hit. They're seeing his stuff. So I want to kind of see him more with some uh, upper minus progression to see how that translates. But Espino would still be in there. So Espino, Allen, Morris, Levestida, that's that's nine spots. It's like, okay, so I I can't fit Palacios in there anymore. Uh, You know, who is it? Gavin Williams, the the recent addition to... uh, you know, first draft pick, first draft pick, first round draft pick. Uh, I was just kind of curious. Let's go look and see what uh, what the MLB says for the Indians. Who, because I know they won't have Morris in there. Uh, so the names, uh, Bo Naylor doesn't make my top ten after the year he's had. He's really struggled. Uh, Angel Martinez has been good in high A, but not good enough. So those are the two guys that are right now out. If I put in Logan Allen or I already put in Logan Allen. If I put in Gavin Williams, then that would be a two-player difference. Uh, you know, it, it's you can really kind of debate with me from there. I mean, Petey Halpin would get some discussion as well uh, with the way he's played this year. I really think he should be higher on the list overall. It is interesting. Cody Morris, 22nd on the MLB list, and I have him uh, probably like 10th on mine. Espino's, no, I'd have him 9 with Espino 10. I'm not as high on Espino. It's always been my thing, reliever concerns, injury concerns, and then uh, some of the hit rate stuff. So that initial five I'd have to sort out, man, random bonus content. I'll work on it, but I feel like nine of the ten for me are pretty easy. And then from there, uh, just figuring out that final spot, debating some names, I probably would end up leaning Gavin Williams, but who knows? We'll see as the time comes and I get full dive into data. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That really helps. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Uh, I want to thank everyone who helped contribute in the fan show today. And uh, for the next year, go Tribe. After that, go, go Guardians, go.